luck by mastery is I call that magic. People think magicians are like this incredible person that can make magic happen. But really what they are is they are professional people that have spent 10,000 hours mastering that one trick. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. What's up, Action Academy? It is your boy, Brian Lubin, back with another episode. This is not a replay episode, but this is an episode part two with none other than the brand new CEO of GoBundance, Matt King. So before I introduce Matt, I got to tell you guys a little bit about the backstory of GoBundance, what the heck it is, and why you should care for the thousands of new listeners that have no idea about the backstory or how I got my beginning. So GoBundance is a mastermind group for millionaires. You have to have a million dollar minimum net worth to join or be accredited. And I remember listening to them five years ago. I heard about GoBundance on a podcast and I was broke. <laughs> I had nothing. And I was working a corporate job. I was making fantastic money, but I wasn't saving any of it. I was spending all of it. And essentially what happened was I heard this guy named David Osborne talk. He's one of the founders of GoBundance. He's worth about $150 million. His episode is on this podcast if you guys want to go back and listen to it. And I heard this guy talking about GoBundance and all this different stuff. And I thought that I would reach out to him just to see if there'd be a chance that he would mentor me. So what ends up happening is I send a cold email to David Osborne and his assistant, Matt King, answers the email. Who's the guest on today's show? Matt and I hopped on the call. I told him I would do anything to learn from those guys and to somehow be involved in their world. And he said, "Okay, put your money where your mouth is. He said, we're having a GoBundance event in Breckenridge, Colorado on Thursday this week. If you want to come, it's going to be $3,500 plus flight, room, and board. So call it five grand. If you want to come, I'll give you a guest spot. And ladies and gentlemen, this was on a Tuesday and I was working a corporate W-2 job. So I called out sick (laughs) for the rest of the week, hopped on a one-way flight, put 5,000 on a credit card and went to this room full of 300 multimillionaires that had no idea that I existed and we hit it off. Fast forward four years later, and now I'm a member, and it's been amazing. It's been life-changing, and it's all because I sent an email, and it got answered by the guest that's on today's show, who is now the CEO of the group. Matt actually had a similar start with GoBundance because he began as the personal assistant to David Osborne, doing odd chores, tasks, errands for him. And he was working Go Crew for GoBundance. So he was doing the video setups. He was doing the lighting, handing the microphone, stuff like that. And now for him to go from that to being David Osborne's literal right-hand man, he's the SVP of all of his companies. He runs one of the largest killer teams in the United States. He runs over 30 companies. So Matt directly has hundreds of people that are reporting it to him now. And now he's the CEO of the company that he was volunteering for. So today is a masterclass in how to attract peers, partners, and mentors, especially mentors, and how to stick out to them and how to stay in their world. Then in the back half of the show, we talk a little bit about 
how he manages all these businesses, his best practices for hiring, for attracting talent, for attractive people to partner with, and how you can be attractive to them before you have the compensation to pay $300,000, $500,000 for a rock star, how you can attract them and bring them into your world. So it's a fantastic episode. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. If you do, five-star rating and review. Por favor. Let's get to it. Matt King. All right, Matt King. Welcome back to the show, brother man. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's an honor to talk to you when you're living here in Austin, Texas now. I feel like you're one of us. You're a y'all boy now. You're not a y'all uh, boy. I'm a y'all out the, boy now, man. Yeah, you're not the Atlanta guy anymore. No, it's crazy. What a full circle moment, right? It's crazy to think about because I still remember sitting in the basement of my house hack, I think going on four years now, four years yep. ago, giving you a call after emailing David and emailing you. And you were just like, okay, cool. I'll hop on a call with you, man. And we'll see. We'll see if we can give you a shot. Yeah. <laughs> now here we are, man. <laughs> yeah, look, man, we were just talking about it before you hit the record button, like what luck is. And I think luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And I think that moment where you were in the basement of your house hack, looking for a tribe, looking for a peer group of people that could hold you extremely accountable and help take you to the next level. You were prepared for the opportunity. And when the opportunity opened and you had a chance to connect with me and David and had a chance to come to the event and show up, like, People will say, Brian got lucky. You got lucky to be in that room. And I would say, no, you were prepared. And when the opportunity presented itself, you took advantage of it. And so I just love people that take action. And the name of your show is just, to me, is all what life is about is action. Action beats inaction 100% of the time. And so I think that's exactly what you did. You were prepared, you took action, and you got quote unquote lucky, which if that's what makes people feel better is that you got lucky, that's great. I would tell you, you were prepared and you took advantage of something that presented itself for you. I appreciate that, man. And yeah, there's four different types of luck. I was just watching Tony Robbins video on this and he was talking about how you have luck where it's just like luck of the draw. You you win the lottery or something, but we can't bank on that, right? It's just like that one in a billion opportunity. Then you have luck from motion, which luck from motion is what you and I talk about where you're scattering. So you're doing so much action that stuff gets scattered up in the dirt and then you just are able to take advantage of it, which is the third part of luck is luck from preparation. And then that's when you don't get ready, stay ready, because then when it comes, you're ready to act. And then the fourth type of luck is luck by mastery. And that's where you're so damn good at something that other opportunities start to come towards you. And I think that's a perfect segue. Look at that, man. I am a podcaster. Luck by mastery is I call that magic. People think magicians are like this incredible person that can make magic happen. But really what they are is they are professional people that have spent 10,000 hours mastering that one trick and they understand the odds, they understand the probability, they understand how to stack the odds in their favor. And so people will say, wow, that was magic. No, really, it was really hard work, really good preparation, and then really good sort of action through whatever the magic trick was. And we as an audience see that as magic and go, wow. But when I watch magic, I see, wow, that guy's a hard worker. That girl's got grit. That person's really figured out how to stack the odds in their favor from a probability perspective. And I envy them for that. Yeah. So you're in that category now where I would say that you've gone through your own personal journey of all four different types of this look. So you had the luck of just pure, what are the odds of you hopping on a bus with freaking Pat Hyben and all of that in the very beginning, which if you guys are interested in Matt's back backstory, you can go listen to his episode previously. I'll put it in the show description. But today we're going to talk about how you've transitioned since then. 
and also this new leadership role that you've taken on in this group. I'll talk a little bit in the intro before this, prior to this conversation about how you and I met in this journey of how we got together. I want to talk a little bit about your journey because look at where you are today. We're talking about magic. You started as a Go Crew member, which was you were somebody working the events at Go Abundance. So we're kindred spirits. And now you are the CEO of Go Abundance. I don't know if you would like that title. So whatever you want to label it as, what do you call yourself yeah. in Go Abundance? Man, look, man, I'm just the water boy. All I want to do is make sure that <laughs> everybody's got what they need. I'm just honored and fortunate to have been surrounded by incredible people over the last, you know, 33 years of my life starting with my parents and my family, leading into my wife, leading into my sister, leading into my kids, leading into people like Pat Hyben, leading into people like David Osborne, who I've been side by side with for the last nine years. Like, I'm super fortunate to be around all of these incredible people. And I've always looked at myself as a servant leader that's a sponge. And we think about a sponge cleaning up a puddled mess, like that sponge wipes over and it is able to absorb all of that water. And when you wring out that sponge in the sink, what happens? All the water gets wrung out. And over my life, I've just been a sponge. I've just been absorbing as much as I possibly could. And when opportunities have presented themselves for me to have a chance to be wrung out, whether that's to step into leadership and go abundance or step into leadership in David's world or try to be a good dad or try to be a good husband, like the things I've absorbed over my lifetime get wrung out into the sink. I just like... I just constantly am trying to learn. I'm constantly asking questions. I mean, today I went to lunch with a guy who's in oil and gas, not because I want to get into oil and gas, but because I want to understand the power of supply chain and oil and gas is really just the power of supply chain. So I'm like asking him a million questions. And the next thing we know, our lunch lunch is up and he looks at me, he goes, I didn't get a chance to ask you anything. And I walk out of there feeling good. I'm like, that's how I know I was (laughs) right in the conversation. Like, I got two ears and one mouth. I tried to use them in proportion, but I learned a bunch from him. Now, a lot of the oil stuff, the fracking rigs and the rigs and all that stuff, like I can't do that much of that stuff, but I can understand the power of optimizing the widget and squeezing one more barrel of oil and how to do it and how to think about it. And so for me, that's what life is all about. It's just about being this sponge. It's about absorbing content. It's about absorbing information. And then when life gives you the opportunity to be wrung out, can that information actually come out of you in a purposeful and useful way? 1,000%, man, 1,000%. So we talk a lot about on this show how to attract mentors and how to get the attention of mentors and potential partners, mentors, people, peers to walk your journey with. I describe Go Abundance as like climbing Mount Everest where you need two different yeah. people. You need the Sherpa that's been to the mountaintop that's guiding you up and they've already been up there time and time before. And you need the people that are your climbing squad that are strapped up next to you. What do you think are the differences between the people that earn the lunch, right? The one-time lunch. Maybe you meet with them once or you give them one task, you have one interaction engagement. What's the difference between those people and the ones that stick around, that stay in your world and that really earn a spot in a mentor's world? I think the difference is you. I think the difference is you. I think every mentor that you meet and have lunch with is willing to stick around and be of service as long as you are of service to them and do what they say. Like the last thing a mentor wants is, hey, Brian, I would suggest painting the walls white. And you're like, okay, cool. Thanks for the advice. You paint the wall black. Like the mentor goes, okay, that was your choice, but just duly noted. I'm going to pay attention. And then the next time he's like, hey, I wouldn't cut the grass today. And then you cut the grass. It's, does this guy really want my opinion? Or does he just like the sound of his own voice and wants to act like he wants my opinion? Um, and to, to use your analogy, like this Sherpa's climbing the mountain, I like to think of it as shoulder to shoulder versus face to face. With my mentors, I like to be face to face. I want to be at a table at lunch. I want my notebook out and I want to be taking notes. 
And I learned this from David Osborne. Like when I meet with a mentor, I take notes. I ask them questions and it's what charities are you excited about? What are you excited about? What are your kids doing? And I take notes. So after the lunch, when I'm able to thank them, I'm not just sending them a thank you email saying, Brian, thanks for your time today. It was really incredible. I'm like, Brian's a huge Georgia Bulldogs fan. Brian, what's your address? I wanted to send you this really cool Georgia Bulldogs hat that I found. You get his address. So now I can mail him a handwritten card that's even more valuable and I can send him a gift. Like now I am cemented in his mind as somebody that's a mentee, right? Wow, that guy listened. He knew what I liked. He took action from it. I want to be around people like that. So when I'm looking for a face-to-face mentor, that's how I engage. When I'm looking for a shoulder-to-shoulder accountability partner, peer partner, I'm looking for somebody that's going to hold me accountable, but not afraid to be held accountable for themselves. Just like you, Brian, if you really want to do this, show up to the GoBundance event. Dude, you were there. Like you showed up middle of COVID, yeah. you were there. You were in Colorado. I'm like, that's a guy I want to be in the trenches with. That's a guy I could go to war with. And so now I know that when I need accountability, I can reach out to people like you. And when you need accountability, you can reach out to people like me. So you just want to have this awareness. You want to have this hyperactive awareness around the people in your lives and how they show up. And you want to make sure you're showing up with the energy that you need to show up with to reciprocate and receive whatever you need. So if I want to receive mentorship, I better be able to reciprocate mentee energy to somebody else, right? Mm. Just be a taker. I've got to be willing to give to call it God, call it the universe, call it divine intervention, call it energy, call it karma, whatever you want to call it. There is a force greater than all of us that I think works in our favor. And if you're willing to harness the person that you want to become, and you're able to hold that energy, unique things will show up for you. Mentors, opportunities, conversations, cars, jobs, goals, you name it. When you harness that energy, stuff shows up for you in these weird, undefined ways. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because that's exactly how I operate. And Ironically, I just went to a mastermind event yesterday that was like some Texas Austin entrepreneurs. And that was more in the tech scene. So it's a bit different than real estate, like running around the people. It's a lot more chest thumping than I was used to, honestly. But it was funny because I met this one guy and I just could not because I do the same trick as you. I wouldn't call it a trick, but it's just like our operating system, right? Where it's just like two ears, one mouth. Like my best piece of advice for people in any room that they're going to, especially if you're a small fish, is don't try to be the most interesting person in the room. Be the most interested. And you get bonus points if you actually are the most interesting person in the room and yeah. you still act like the most interested. Because then they not only know that you're a big deal, but they are now even more impressed with the fact that you just care about them. And I was trying to do that to this guy. And he was just coming back at me with question after question. And I was so irritated because I was like, man, I'm trying to get to know you. And this guy's flipping the script on me. Turned out he was a podcast host. (laughs) Here's the trick, man. If you want to flip the script in a conversation like that, all humans like to help. They all like significance. So when you're in a situation like that where you're trying to ask questions and they're asking questions back, the best way to control the conversation is then to put them on a pedestal, put them in a hierarchy position and be like, wow, man, I really understand that. Like, I don't understand this, that, or the other. Could you please help explain that to me? And now all of a sudden you've put him on a pedestal, you get him talking, you get him telling you stories, you get him educating you. And then you start trickling in the questions you want to ask once he's all chuffed and happy and honored that you asked him those questions. People are (laughs) eager to teach. People are eager to show you how smart they are. So you put yourself in a position to be like, you even like shamefully humble yourself. Man, I'm not the smartest guy in this room. Help me understand what a series A is. I don't get that. And now all of a sudden he explains it to you. He gets significance. You put him up on a pedestal and now you just start filtering in your questions. Yeah. I tell people to talk to me like I'm a fifth grader or a golden retriever. 
<laughs> so go, that tends to That's work, it. man. So That's let's it. talk about that. Let's talk about the transition. So you moved up through the ranks of GoBundance, man. And now you have been called to take over the reins of this organization. Before I introduce GoBundance, I'd like you to introduce GoBundance in your own words. And then we'll talk a little bit about before, after, and then game plan moving forward. Yeah. So for me, GoBundance is an entrepreneurial-based mastermind that helps people live better versions of life than they thought were possible. Whether it's more health, more wealth, more abundance, more contribution, better bucket list adventures, you name it. There's this concept called Metcalf's Law, which I can share some research that you can put in the show notes. But Metcalf's Law basically says the power of the network is in direct relation to the number of nodes in the network. And so for me, GoBundance is Metcalf's law at work. Like it's the power of the network. It's the power of the relationships. It's the power of the conversations that can be had. And, and for me, GoBundance is a place where people can be held extremely accountable to do whatever they set out to do in life, but also a place where they have resources and friends and acquaintances and accountability partners that can help them navigate whatever shows up in life with more ease, more grace and handle it quicker. I've been fortunate to see GoBundance Back in 2014, when there was 20 guys at a house, all the way up to Tahoe, when we had 240 guys this year in the room. So I've seen its many evolutions. And the one thing that stayed consistent and the one thing that stayed true is the power of vulnerability and the power of the connections in the room. Let's hit a little bit about that, because that was a topic of conversation at this last event that we just went to from Tahoe. And for people listening, I know a lot of you guys are new to the show. I talk about GoBundance a lot. A lot of the show guests are GoBundance. So what Matt's talking about with the power of connection is people ask all the time, how do I get these guests? How do I get these guests? How do I get these guests? It's because whenever you're running in these circles, each connection that you have is one to three degrees of separation from the person that you're looking for. So it's like I can be able to email back and forth with Gary Keller through a relationship with David or a relationship with you or a relationship with Jay Papazon, who I was just texting, which is like insane to think about, right? And after, especially after family reunion. So it's all that one degree of separation. And then that's what builds such an amazing and powerful network, which I think is the most valuable asset that you could have. Can we talk a little bit about what were some issues that you were seeing with it previously and what are you addressing right now as we move forward into this new kind of season? Yeah, look, you've seen me in the leadership role. I would tell you, like, don't mean bring problems, bring solutions. I would just focus on the opportunity ahead of us. And I think the opportunity ahead of us resides around bringing people closer together, creating containers for people to have vulnerable and authentic conversations together in a confidential setting. And we have this opportunity to connect people in a way through adventure and through experience that I don't know of many groups that have this possibility. For me, the genius lies inside of our membership group, right? Think of think about a church, right? They all have a similar version of the Bible and they all have a similar version of a hierarchy and they all have a similar look. But what makes one church better than another church? It's the people inside of that church that ultimately make that camaraderie and that community feel so good, feel so intimate, feel so strong. And so for me, it's about leaning into our members, leaning into the people inside of our tribe. Like we have some freaking incredible people from people that are still fighting for citizenship, but are financially free to people who have built multi-million dollar companies, to people who have lived through generational business wealth, to people who are doctors and operate and are trying to solve cures for cancer. Like The genius resides inside of our membership base. And so my job now is like the air traffic controller, if you will, of GoBundance is to just get out of the way and make sure that the container I create is one where members can meet with members and be 
vulnerable, authentic, and have conversations that can help evolve them and help them grow in life. If I'm doing anything other than that, I'm doing myself a disservice, I'm doing our tribe a disservice, I'm doing our members a disservice. But for me, it's create the container, get the heck out of the way. Create the container, get the heck out of the way. And I think you've got to do it without ego. You've got to do it with servant-based leadership at heart. And you have to do it with this idea of what did we set out to do? And I think abundance set out to help people live more authentic and more epic lives. And everything we do now is just around how can we help these people live more authentic and more epic lives. Yeah, we started our um, our event where we were all basically sharing like authentically and vulnerable, yeah. like vulnerably, right? Yeah. So it was the, you kicked it off, and immediately we're all just like, okay, like what's something that you're scared about? What's something that you're yeah. proud about? What's yeah. a regret that you had that you haven't gotten over? Like, stuff like that. These are the conversation topics that we start off with. And it was really cool to see it pivot from it starts to lean more transactionally. And then we bring it back because yeah. that's just the nature of mastermind, right? You go to a lot of local RIAs, especially, like I said, there's a lot of chest thumping. And what I like so much about our community is... Everyone's in flip-flops and shorts, right? Yeah. And it's, yeah, half of them flew in on private jets. The others flew first class, but it's like, you right. won't be able to tell. Everyone's just showing up as themselves. And it's a room where you have to be successful to even be in the room. So everyone by default is already successful to be in it. So man, I love what you're doing. I love how we're taking over and how everything is transitioning, man. So just, yeah. I wanted to give Thanks. you your flowers. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm honored to, to carry the baton for... However long I get the privilege to carry the baton and just try to continue to make an impact on people's lives in the same way that GoBundance has made an impact on my life. Like when I joined GoBundance as a volunteer back in 2014 on the Go Crew, my net worth was probably negative $13,000. I should pull up my journal. I have it up there. I should look at the exact number, but it was negative something. I know that. And fast forward today, it's a number that I would have never thought was achievable in over the course of nine years. And I'm not done yet. The power of the network, the power of the people, the power of your peer group. And like an exercise I would tell the listeners to go through is write down the list of the five names you spend the most time with. And then next to that, write down what you think they make. And then next to that, write down what they weigh. And then take the sum and average it. And then write down what you make and what you weigh. And I would bet that you are within a few percentages away from whatever that average is. And if that average is great, everybody in your group's making 2 million bucks a year and they all have a 3% body fat, like I bet you're fit and I bet you're wealthy. If everybody in that group is eating bonbons and everybody in that group is making $20,000 a year, which if that's the life that makes them happy, that's great. But if that's not for you, I bet you your numbers look just like that. And that would probably be a good indication of why you might be feeling unhappy or dissatisfied or listening to the Action Academy to think about how you can take action to improve your life. Exactly. Hit the nail on the head, man. And then that just rings true over and over again. It's always yeah. about the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. And also, it's just about the environment that you're in. Because I just posted a funny video the other day where it's just, if you ever feel down on yourself, go spend 15 minutes with the CEO of a startup and then have their <laughs> unnecessary confidence just rub off on you. And I was just yeah. like, that's honestly it. It's just being honestly dumb enough to believe in ourselves to take big swings at the plate. 
And that's a lot of the guys, you guys that go up and you're like, I can do this too. Yeah. And it's people, you see it over and over again. People come in and they have maybe 12 single family houses. And then a guy goes on stage and he talks about how he just took down 400 units last year. And then everyone's like, wait, hold on a second. The underwriting looks about the same. I could do that. And it's just, you just needed that validation. So I want to use that as a pivot to more of a business conversation because now you are operating all of these businesses with David. I'll invite you to introduce what you do in a business setting and kind of the level and magnitude that you're operating at. And then we'll dissect some best practices for people that are listening so we can move into a business environment. Yeah, look, man, I have the privilege of running a family office out of Austin, Texas. We own probably 30 different companies, the main one being the eighth largest residential real estate brokerage in the United States with about 5,000 agents across North Texas, New Mexico, and Memphis. We own multifamily, single family, vacation rentals, commercial buildings, distressed debt, private equity, you name it. Dave is just a serial entrepreneur and I'm just so privileged to be started off with him. He's like, look, man, my world's a mushroom cloud getting ready to explode. If you're talented, you'll figure it out. And if you're not, my world won't change and I'll find somebody else. I'm like, okay, no heads I win, tails you lose. (laughs) Cool, got it. But what he didn't know was I was thinking the same. I was like, I'm going to put myself in a position where heads I win, tails you lose. And how he was going to lose was I was going to outwork every single person there. I was going to be there before everybody. I was going to listen better. I was going to take better notes. I was going to keep more accountability. I was going to pay more attention. And it got to the point where one day I remember this vividly. He was talking about his daughter was probably eight at the time and they were just getting, she was just getting into Minecraft. And he's like, man, it'd be cool as if we had three TVs set up in the office So I could play, my daughter could play, and my wife could play, and we could all collaborate on how to get assets and store things and build things and create. I was like, okay, that's cool. And so two weeks later, we have a TV guy show up at the house. He's like, what's going on today? I'm like, oh, that guy's installing two TVs, and they're going to all be wired into the same one. So you'll have an Xbox, and she'll have an Xbox, and your wife will have an Xbox. And so there he was with this three TV setup. They all had their own games, and they were all playing in the same world. And it was that attention to detail and that ability and willingness to take action that I think has allowed me to evolve and grow with him, where today he says, you're overseeing things and you're in charge. Now, I don't take that lightly. I don't take that for granted. I know at any moment I can quickly be thrown from this opportunity. I know at any moment I could be re- replaced. I'm not standing on the top of the mountain smelling the roses going, wow, look at me. Life is great. I'm looking behind me, trying to see who's chasing me, looking to see how I can continue to be better and continue to evolve. And most of that comes from just accountability and follow through. So the kicker is, I don't even think that's the reality. I think the actual reality is like, there's no way in hell he would ever get rid of you. Like he goes up on stage and he's, this guy's like a son to me now. Like he's my family. But the point that you still have that mentality is like everything. Like that is the episode. You're on the mountaintop and you're like, okay, cool. Like I'm still climbing. Yeah. Look, dude, he married my wife and I, his daughter was our ring, our flower girl. His son was our ring bearer. Him and Tracy, him and his wife were the first people to meet our daughter. Our parents were on a flight down to meet our first kid. And they came to the hospital right after they were born. Like I take a bullet for the man, but I'm also not delusional. And I'm not going to take that for granted. Just like you guys shouldn't take your friendships, your employer, your family for granted. Like I know that we have a win-win relationship. And if any time I try to just win and not help him win, the relationship's going to end. Just it, That's just life. That's just reality. And I'm not, I'm afraid of that. I fear that. And so like, I'm hyper-focused on continuing to make sure I'm delivering the value, showing up the way I can show up and being the person I say I want to be. And I know that as long as I do that, I, that's all I can control and I can control my hand. And if I do that, I can be happy no matter what the outcome is. 
Um, if I choose to control my hand differently and choose to not show up as that true authentic version of myself, then I can only be disappointed with the result because that was my outcome. But if something changes and I'm still doing what I'm doing and I'm showing up the way I show up, I can, I can go to bed at night being proud and being grateful that I showed up the best I could and the rest of it's just going to take care of itself. So David talks a lot about hiring rock stars and I developed a friendship with Jeff Hoffman, who I know you know as well. And that's his whole thing, right? He's, he's one rock star will outperform him, 10 or 20 good people. And, yeah. and these are good people, but he's like the difference, good and great. And you think that it's just like a minuscule jump, but that 2% difference is everything because yeah. it's everything. So now you've been in the position where you were the rock star and you are the rock star, but now you are also in the position where you're hiring rock stars and you've hired rock yeah. stars. So I want to really hit on this because it's something that I struggle with in my baby business. And it's something that I think a lot of people are still struggling with and go abundance and that are listening to this show. So I've gone through a couple of assistants myself and yep. each and every it's because I run, I start telling them, okay, here's what I need you to do. Right. And I tell them, here's what I need you to do. And then the next day they say, okay, I did that thing. Now what? And then I'm like, okay, here's what I need you to do. And then they say, okay, now what? Over and over again, I'm like, this is giving me more of a job to tell you what to do than it is for me to actually just do this myself. Yeah. And I feel like that's the same thing that everybody says as an entrepreneur. So the question that I have mostly is, A, how much of that is a problem, is a me problem that we can change as entrepreneurs? And B, like in a rock star the advice I've gotten from my business coach is that when you find a rock star, you don't need to do that. They will just figure it out. And that's what made me trigger this kind of conversation yeah. topic was you talking about the TVs. He mentioned it and you just did it. So I'm curious about your perspective from both angles. Yeah. So everything is a you problem. Everything is a projection. Everything is coming out from you and going on to the world, whether it's like, I'm frustrated that my wife put her shoes there and not there, or whether she's mad at me for leaving my socks here and not there. It's all a projection. It's all for me to eat myself. And so for you, it's the same. It's a projection. It's you. It's all you. You can change everything. That's all you can change. What I would tell you is like, when you talk about hiring rock stars, the number one thing you avoid is hiring. You are looking to partner with talent. Talent is not looking for a job. Talent is looking for an opportunity. So when you entrepreneurs, yourself, and all the other people listening to this show talk about hiring people, the reason that you're struggling is because you're hiring people. And by definition, hiring somebody is giving them a job and giving somebody a job is essentially telling somebody what to do. If you want to hire somebody, you have to get out of your own way and understand that you are hiring them to tell them what to do. If you want to partner with talent, and you want to charge the hill with talent, you need to change the way you talk, you need to change the way you think, and you need to change the way you lead. Talent is not looking for a job. Talent is willfully employed and looking for opportunity. They're looking to gain an opportunity in their life. So you say, who do I need for this role? I need a rock star right hand to help me grow and scale a podcasting platform. Who is my competition? Awesome. Who is employed by my competition? Awesome. I'm going to email every single one of those people and tell them I have an opportunity that you have to hear about. Do you want to talk at Tuesday or on Wednesday? Three o'clock or four o'clock? You give people choice, but you don't give them an out to say that doesn't work for me. And then you take your vision, what Gary Keller is a master of, and you paint this giant vision where they see an opportunity to achieve their vision by being a part of your vision. And once you do that, you now are in partnership with talent. 
not hiring or employing people. And that will be the thing that will change your life. That will be the thing that will change the trajectory of your business is to partner with talent on opportunity. So once you get this initial conversation and this initial meeting going to where you meet them, they meet you, how are you able to identify what makes a rock star versus, oh, maybe this is just going to be somebody else that's pretty run-of-the-mill good? Because at this point, we're all in our worlds, just in our orbits, like we're always going to find people that are good. But how do we yeah. find somebody that, what are the differentiators, would you say? You ask a lot of questions. What are your, what's your five-year vision? What are your goals? Tell me about a time you failed. Tell me how you overcame adversity. Tell me what your perfect day looks like. Tell me like what you like to do with your free time. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your spouse. And what you're looking for is you're looking for a lineage. You're looking for a track record of success. Success leaves clues, but talent has success that it left clues at. So did you, were you an athlete growing up? Yes. How did you do? Look, lost in two state finals. Okay, cool. Your talent. Oh, I lost in the state. For me, it'd be like, yeah, I was super competitive growing up. Oh, what, what sports did you play? I played soccer and I wrestled. Oh, cool. Were you on varsity? Yeah. For soccer, I was on varsity all four years wrestling as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Tell me about that. growing up. I was a goalie. I was always the smallest. People thought I wouldn't be successful because I was five foot five, maybe, maybe now I'm six and five foot six and a half. Most goalies are six foot plus. So I was always doubted. I was always hated on. So I worked the competition. I remember losing a game in high school, 6-0 to Homestead. I went home. My dad parked the car in the front yard, put the lights on, and I was doing goalie drills in the front yard until 10 p.m. Now that person who's interviewing me goes, wait, you did that at that age? You were self-starter? You were self-motivated? You were successful? You were competitive? That, to me, is talent. So you look for that lineage. You look for that trail of success in what they've done. And the way success is you ask questions. And you don't ask questions about Tell me about your last employer. How did that go? You're like, no, like back this bus up all the way to high school. How did you succeed? How did you fail? Did you get into every college you applied for? Did you get a scholarship? Did you drop out of school? Did your parents kick you out? Like, when did you overcome adversity and how did you respond? How did you show up? And you're looking for self-starters. You're looking for ambitious people that have goals. And you're looking for some people with some competitive fire, some competitive juices, because you know, ultimately, they have a desire to win. Yeah, this is a lot different than the conversations I've been having with virtual assistants. <laughs> like, apparently, so, so, does this still apply? Great example. Our virtual assistant has been working for us. We have two of them. One's, we have a lot more than two, but we have two that I can talk about. One of them has been working for us for nine years, the other eight years. Like years in the Philippines working for us remotely over Zoom, over email, never seen them, never met them, never shook their hand. Tell me about a time you failed. Tell me about a time you win. What's your goal? This the virtual my virtual assistant Abby, who's like a saint, like that girl's incredible. Tell me what your goals are. She starts crying. I just want to work hard enough so I can pay off my parents' house so they don't have to stress over money. If that's her freaking why, and I email her on Saturday asking her to book me a flight, you bet your butt she's gonna book me a flight on Saturday because her why is so strong. Tell me how you overcome adversity. Tell me how someone wins with you. Tell me how someone loses with you. If you have a problem, how do you come up with the first I go on Google, then I go on YouTube. And if I can't find an answer that way, I'll ask my friends. And if nobody knows, then I'll come back to you. I'm like, check. Great. You're going to figure things out. I don't need to, I don't need to babysit you. I don't need to micromanage you. How do you like to be led? I like to be given the vision. And then I like you to get out of the way. Check. You're in. So like, those are the things I'm looking for. Now she doesn't show up day one like that human. You have to grow them. You have to help them grow their confidence to get in there. And their confidence comes from clarity on what they're trying to accomplish, where they're trying to go. But it also comes from failure. Let them fail. 
Like when people come to me and ask me a question, sometimes I'll be like, I'm not sure. How would you handle it? That's so I annoying. Was really, I was really paint the walls white. It's okay, cool. Paint the walls white. When the walls are done being painted white, which I thought was a bad decision, and there's tomato soup all over the walls, you go, so would you paint the walls white again? No, we're in a tomato soup kitchen. I would have painted them red. Like, sweet. Next time, paint the walls red. Now, I just taught her how to fish, right? There's this old proverb. I believe it's a Japanese proverb where if you feed a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Teach your people how to fish. And you have to do that by watching them fail. Are there any courses that you can point people to? Because now you've just done it through the school of hard knocks after all these years of hiring. So I can tell, like, as soon as you were rattling that off, I was like wanting to take notes from all these questions that you were asking in your sequencing. If you were to pinpoint maybe three resources, three books that really helped you, because right now I'm in the process of going from an I do to a we do. And I feel like that's the stickiest part that a lot of people never make it to is that when they get lost in that friction point there, because I feel like we do to they do is a different skill set. It's a different leadership set. (laughs) I do to we do is where you're building that initial team. You're hiring, you're firing, you're inspiring. So what are some resources you could point people towards? Look, man, this course, it it used to be called Recruit Select. Now I believe it's called Career Visioning with Keller Williams. And even if you're not a real estate agent, you can access this course around the country. I've taken it six times. It's changed the way that I work with talent. It's changed the way that I engage with talent. Now, the problem I have is I try to shortcut shit. So I've tried to shortcut the process and I try to take all these cheat codes because I think like rather than do the three sit down interviews, I think I can do this in one. And every single time I shortcut the process, I get the wrong person in the position. Um, so I would take career visioning. I take recruit select, whatever it's called in your market. I'd listen to content like yours. I'd listen to content like interviews like by Gary Keller, interviews by people who have hired successfully and employed people for a long time. And then I'd meet mentors. I don't know of any books that teach you how to lead quite the right way. So I would just try to find mentors and just ask them, what did you do? How did you do it? What's your favorite interview question? Like what questions do you ask through the interview process that I should ask? Hey, would you be willing to have your team take me through the interview process so I can learn what it looks like? I'd love mm, to understand. That's, a, that's a good one. And then my favorite question to ask of all of the candidates is what questions didn't I ask you that I should have? And then I just pause and I wait. And I watch them think and process and they'll be like, you didn't really ask me how my Excel skills were. Like, cool, how are your Excel skills? I don't really care how your Excel skills are, but let's ask that. But then you'll have times where people go, you didn't ask about my drunk driving and I thought you would have known about that. I'm like, didn't know about that, but do now. Like duly noted, not gonna have you driving the van. So like things pop up and you just have to be comfortable in the silence. I like that, being comfortable in the silence. One more thing, the last thing I'll tell you is always be looking Always go, be looking for like why this person's a good fit. Go into the interview going, this isn't the right fit for the job, but I'm going to give them an opportunity. This isn't the right talent, but I'm going to give them an opportunity. And through the whole process, you need to be asking yourself, what is the one trait that's going to drive me crazy about this person? What is the one trait that's going to drive me crazy about this person? And just like the justice system is innocent until proven guilty, think of all of these people as not employed until you employ them. And you want to be making them earn that position through the entire process. So is this something, is this work that you should do where you sit down and you vision cast your perfect candidate and you vision cast your perfect who? Or is this more so a process of making such a detailed and vivid vision that they are able to immediately imagine themselves in it just by reading it? 
Both. I think it's both. I think it's having a really clear vision for your life that people can see a way for them to achieve their vision. And then I think it's having a clear path for your org chart and understanding what talent you need to partner with. And most of that is around what are your weaknesses? I don't like doing numbers. So I know I need an accountant. I know I need a controller. I know I need a bookkeeper. And I can't use the Harvard level accountant and bookkeeper because I don't speak their language. So I need to find the scrappy controller who's learned QuickBooks by themselves who can give me the numbers in the way that I can understand them because I'm not smart enough to speak the Harvard speak. So I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah, because I'll, and I'm curious about this too, because now like this podcast has, people always talk about start with a niche. And I agree, like with this podcast, I started with a lot of real estate, right? So because just right. naturally by default, a lot of GoBundance guys, real estate guys. So we do a lot of real estate. We still do a lot of real estate. But I've recently made a pivot because now I've basically gotten an MBA by running this show because it's like I just get direct mentorship from everyone that I realized that a problem that I saw in GoBundance as well was a lot of people are real estate investors that dabble in entrepreneurship. When the reality is that the opposite should be true. You need to be an entrepreneur that dabbles in real estate. And so the money and the champions are all business owners, hiring, firing, inspiring, like org chart vision casting for the company. I just hired the best CFO ever as opposed to I just bought another eight unit. So I'm trying to think, what do y'all do? Because I was listening to this podcast. I was reading this book about like quantifiable APIs and tracking and measurement and making sure to really clearly define wins. Is that something that you guys do? And can you speak to that a little bit about how you very clear with expectations and guidelines? Yeah, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm really shitty at it because I want to be in business <laughs> with talent and I don't want to have to give my crystal clear vision and expectation because if I give my crystal clear vision and expectation, that means all that task can do is live up to that vision and that's it, nothing more. So I want to live in curiosity. I want to be like, what are we setting out to do? We're setting out to create the best possible member experience for our members. Cool. Now let's everything we do, let's have that in mind. And then let's collaborate, right? Tony Shea used to have this thing called return on collisions. And he said the thing that changed Zappos was the conversations at the water cooler. Like those conversations are what transformed his company. And so I want to create an environment where people can be collaborative, people can be open, but they also feel empowered to bring ideas to the company that can make us greater than we thought was possible by ourselves. I try to not be an echo chamber for my own BS. I try to get out of my way and I try to say, what did we set out to do? And then what does that look like? And let the team start to collaborate and start to integrate through it and talk about how that can actually be possible. How do you establish and support feedback channels? Because a lot of companies, I think that's another sticking point from all these conversations that I have is either you only get good feedback at the top or it's or you get no feedback at all. Yeah. So there used to be this process that Rock Thomas used to, to run at the GoBundance events when I was a volunteer. He called it CSI. And at the end of the night, at the hours of working at midnight, we'd sit around this table and he'd say, all right, what went well today? And everybody would talk about what went well. Okay, now where could we improve? And everybody talked about where we could improve. And when you get people to take ownership of the things that are going well and the things that are going poorly, they will take ownership to correct the things that are going poorly. So I always try to lead with positivity And then I always try to go out of my way when people take risks and are successful or people take risks and fail. So if a team member sends an email to a member and maybe the member was being a little hostile or whatever the answer is, and the team member answers like confidently and clearly and concisely, and I'm on the thread, I respond to him and said, that was an incredible answer. Great. I want to give them the confidence to keep taking chances. You're going to fail. You're going to stumble. Things aren't going to go right. Just keep trying. It's like I... 
I was talking to somebody today. I'm like, the number one thing I want my kids to know is that you should fail and you should fail often. If you're not failing, you're not putting yourself in a position that you're uncomfortable. You're not putting yourself in a position to lose. Like I want my daughter to think she can ride a bike at three and fall and be there to pick her up and be there to hold her, but be there to tell her, I'm so proud of you for trying. Let's do it again. You can do this. Because ultimately, that's what life is. You fall, you get up. You fall, you get up. You have people around you that hold you, hug you, kiss you, put Band-Aids on for you. But you still have to make the choice to get back on that bike. And I want my kids, I want the people I surround myself with to be empowered, to make the choice and know that when they fall, I'll be there to pick them up. But they're going to get right back on that bike and they're going to try again. That's awesome, man. In closing, on the flip side of the equation, so we talked about how to buy talent. We've talked about how to engage talent. For you guys now in your position, it's very easy because you have compensation options that are very attractive. And I had this conversation with David as well, where he's now I could sit down and I can have a 30 minute coffee chat with a woman that I can very easily think about paying 300,000 a year. No problem. So for people that are in the beginning stages and they're going from the I do to the we do, maybe they are just starting a revenue, maybe they're pre-seed, maybe they're pre-launch and they're trying to attract this talent, but they're like, okay, like they're already gainfully employed. Like, how do I provide something of value to this person to attract them into my world when I can't pay them what they're getting or I can't pay them at all? How do you handle that in your proposition when you're pitching to a rock star or a potential rock star? So through the process, you ask them what their goals and aspirations are. You ask them what brings them joy. You figure out what their spirit drivers are in life. And then you tailor your offer to those spirit drivers. Brian, what's important to you? Like money. Okay, cool. What else? What do you like to do? I like to travel. I want to see the world. Okay, cool. So if I could give you an opportunity where you could see the world, have 100% autonomy and be able to earn into equity, would that be interesting to you? You would say yes. Okay, cool. Let me show you a path to achieving your goals in this role. Let me show you a path to achieving your vision inside of my organization. And you give people the path to achieve whatever they want to achieve by pulling the levers that you want to pull based on the feedback they give you. Health is really important to me. Okay, cool. I have a personal trainer. I can't pay you 300, but why don't you come to all my personal training sessions with me? Would that be valuable? Oh yeah, I can fire my personal trainer. Cool. Come to my sessions. Like, ooh, I want a sauna. Like, I can't buy you a sauna, but I have a sauna. You can use it anytime you want. Would you like to use my sauna? I don't have a sauna yet, but I'd like one. Those are examples, right? Find the levers that you can pull for those people, that talent you want to get into your world and lean on those levers hard. If it's autonomy, if it's freedom, if it's flexibility, if it's travel, if it's trips, if it's podcasts, if it's conferences, if it's books, if it's whatever it is, all gas on those levers and pour into those if you can't pull the lever of currency as much as you think you need to. <laughs> yeah. I just, the joke I just thought of uh, was you were talking about like Asana and it's, oh, we're using Asana project management. Oh, cool. Like I'm used to that in my old job. No, you come with me. I give you there Asana you and a cold plunge, go. baby. You now, got now, you just need to call, now, now you just need to call them and make sure they sponsor this show because we just gave them a free plug. Yeah. No free love. No free love. Asana, <laughs> here's looking at you guys. Anyways, brother, where can people find you? Where can people find out more about GoBundance if they're interested in membership? Yeah, look, man, GoBundance.com, reaching out to you direct as you're, you're one of the ambassadors of the tribe and been a member for a couple of years now, I think is a great way for people to connect. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I don't like it and I'm trying not to be on it, but I know that it's a necessary evil. I'll share both of those links with you and you can post them and share them. My email is maticabundance.com. You can email me if you have questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, whatever. Like, I'm so fortunate to, to be in the position I am because people took time out of their busy lives to give 
me wisdom and guidance and help. And so the least I can do is do this, do that in return for whoever reaches out. Happy to be of service any way I can. And I just want to applaud you for what you're doing, man. It's been incredible to watch the journey you've gone on with Action Academy. And it's inspiring to see you take such massive action for a life that you want to live and, and the choices you've wanted to have. And I know it's not all rainbows and sunshine like everybody's Facebook life looks like. I know you failed. I know you've yeah. struggled. I know it's been hard, but the one thing I commend you for is you continue to take action in spite of that. And I just applaud you and commend you for that, man. I'm really honored to know you and grateful to call you a friend. Appreciate it, man. Likewise to you. I'm excited to see how you continue on this fathership journey as she yes. starts to get older, as they get older, man, it's going to be, it's going to be really cool to watch. That's the so, hardest so. journey, man. Everything else is easy. Parenting is hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's rewarding as heck, man. I do anything for those kids and my wife, but it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. So guys, if you are interested in GoBundance, like I say, every flipping show, 2 million minimum net worth now to join the tribe, it is worth it because you can go up to that mountaintop yourself. You can get up to that first level of success. But after that, just like Matt and I have talked about today, it's really that process of transitioning from an I do to a we do. And he's talking about hiring, firing, inspiring. If you want to be around those mentors that are pursuing that and that are actively doing that in their businesses, GoBundance has got them, baby. That's what we do. So, Matt. Man. Appreciate you for everything that you do, for who you are. Thank you for coming on. Grateful to know you, man. Thanks again. All right, guys. Talk soon. Hey, real quick. If you're still listening to today's episode, I'm assuming you got value from it. So I need your help specifically. My two-year vision with this show is to help over 1 million people do what they want, when they want, with who they want. And I can only do that with your help. There are two main ways that a podcast grows. One is through ratings and reviews, and the other is word of mouth. If you could please leave me a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as send this to one or two friends that you think would get value from it, we can reach the people that we're looking to reach. Thanks in advance. Talk tomorrow.